This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> it's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help. Dot com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Let's roll, baby. It is a special Tuesday, New York, New York. Spotify Live is coming up in a little bit. But I figured we start off the show with our long-lost pal. Hasn't been with us since that debacle of a Knicks season. And rightfully so. There wasn't much to say about the disgrace that was the Knicks. The great Jerry Ferrara is back on New York, New York. Bro, long time. How we doing, babe? I'm doing good, JJ. I hope I don't have to rely on the Knicks being good to be a friend of the show. No, 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 no. Of course not. But you got little ones at home. You know, you got this budding family in Ohio. So I don't I don't like to abuse the time. But I do know there are certain things that like are identifiable with certain people. And you, bro, the Knicks in many ways, I identify the Knicks with you. I, I, you know, I love that. And look, one thing you could say, I do not jump off the ship, man. You want to talk about the Chris Duhon years? We could go back to the Chris Duhon years. I was there for him. So I'm enjoying where this team's at. And uh, yeah, nothing like a good lottery to get the blood pumping. Well, let me ask you a question. Were you able to remember the Ewing lottery? Like, uh, it, for me, I, I wasn't even a thought for the Ewing lottery. So like, I, all these years where the Knicks have not moved up, I keep hearing about Ewing. Oh, if you were alive for Ewing, you'd be able to appreciate it. Well, I appreciated Ewing. But I wasn't alive for that lottery. So, like, do you have any recollection of that or were you too young? No, I'm just too, I'm barely young. Like, I think in 85, I was six years old. So, I just kind of missed it. I wasn't fully locked in on basketball. 
And I didn't really get locked in until I remember the game I got locked in. It was the Trent Tucker game on Martin Luther King Day. And it was like, I was actually watching the game like this Michael Jordan guy is amazing. I could have easily maybe like, some of my friends went with the Bulls, but that Trent Tucker shot, I'm like, no, nah, I'm a Knicks fan. And that's where I really kind of saw Patrick Ewing for the first time. I think I was like eight years old. No, I don't remember that. So it's been nothing but painful lotteries of, for, in my generation. Oh, so many. I mean, years where you're thinking I get the number one pick, years that winning meaningless games at the end of the year. This one's a little different, though. Uh, I don't know if you felt this way. I know I felt this way. Like, I had no expectation they were moving up. When you got, like, the 11th pick, you need, like, a miracle of all miracles to go end up in the top three or the top four. So there have been years where, like, lottery night, I've been so crushed, I've been so distraught, I've been so miserable. Jerry, I was kind of like, yeah, okay. They're picking 11th. Yeah, I, I think I'd rather this version. So I, I had the roller coaster of emotions where at one point today, I'm like, you know, what? we started off too good. I would have rather have just sucked the whole year so we have lottery chances. And then I'm like looking at the draft class and it's a good class. It's a deep class. I really think that this is a good year to have the 11th pick. Or, you know, I think there's some versatility there. But uh, yeah, like the Zion heartbreak of that lottery, like anytime we won the 17, 20 game seasons, we still don't get the bounce. So I kind of would rather this version where it's like, look, if we get lucky, great, but we'll settle in at 11 and just keep building the team that way. Because it is a weird draft class this year, you know? Okay. You're a guy who knows a thing or two about Hollywood. The Knicks have not had a whole lot of star power on their team over the last two decades. They had Carmelo Anthony. They had two weeks of Jeremy Lin. You want to tell me they had a year of Julius Randle, even though let's call it what it is. He's a Fugazi superstar. But let's get to the nitty gritty. I tell you right now, you can get Donovan Mitchell. You have to trade R.J. Barrett in order to get Donovan Mitchell. You making that deal? No. Me neither. Uh, I'm me not neither. making Anybody that deal. Anybody else on the roster, Jerry? Anybody <laughs> else on the roster we can talk? I cannot trade Barrett. Yeah, I, I just think that the part of wanting Donovan Mitchell would be to pair him with RJ. That would be, and honestly, if I'm being really honest, it would be Obi too. Like those are the three I really would want to see. I don't want to give up quickly or anything like that. But uh, I, part of it with, with Donovan would be to pair him with RJ. I actually want to see that combo of wings. I think those are two really good wings, one of which great offensively little suspect defensively in Mitchell and then RJ who could be a little suspect offensively at times, but gives it up on the defensive end. I think they would complement each other really well as the two and the three wings. So that would be my thing is I, I, I want to pair Donovan with RJ. Cause if not, then, you know, it's going to be the, is, is it, he's going to be the one, two puncher Randall. I don't think it's enough. I don't think well, it's I'm enough. I'm hoping they can do anything in their power to dump Randall this off season. Easier said than done, but like yeah. that is, I can't say Christmas wish because that's like seven, eight months from now. But if you tell me like a midsummer wish for the Knicks, it's ridding themselves of that Randall contract. They could do it again, Jerry. There's no way in the world they're giving him that money. No shot. No, I agree. It's like his stock could not have been higher, even though it did dip in the Atlanta series. Uh, I do. I did agree with the money at the time. It's like, well, it's you were like talking they about Hollywood. Do it. I see. I'm with you there. It's yeah. like they had to do it because you don't want to have a perception around the league that, hey, a guy has this unreal breakout campaign. He's under your wing and you basically just cast him aside and say, yeah, we don't believe in you. We're not buying into you. Like, I don't think that looks positively on the Knicks. So I, 
I understood why they gave Randall a contract extension, but now looking back on it, it was a monumental mistake. It just was. It was because it may end up costing a pick to get off of him down the road. That might be simple math right there. Like if you really want to get off the contract, you'll either have to take someone else's iffy contracts back and some pick swaps or attach something to move Randall. But I will say his year, I put that up with like the 2013 Knicks, mellow Omari year. It was an unbelievable year, but you can't pay guys for what they did. You got to pay them for what they could do. Okay. So if we're talking keepers, for the franchise. Barrett's a keeper. I think in a perfect world, Obi Top and Ann Emanuel quickly are keepers, but that's assuming that you can't go and make a trade. That to me is the question. If you could go and make a trade, we're talking Donovan Mitchell. I have to go and do that. But if you're building from within, those are the three guys you say, hey, I want to have as a part of like a nucleus and a core? Absolutely. Uh, and look, I... <laughs> I still have hopes for for Reddish. And I, I like the trade at the time. I'm not saying like he's some cornerstone to build around. He hasn't proven that yet. I hope he could be. And it's funny watching Luca go off and everyone's talking about the Luca trade trade. Like Cam Reddish was the other piece of that trade. They got Trey and Cam for the Luca deal back in that draft. Uh, yeah, I think that's the three. I do have hopes for Sims too. Like I'm a little concerned. I, I really do wonder what's going to happen with Mitchell Robinson. He was a part of that future for me maybe a year ago. I don't know if he is anymore. I don't know if you pay him only because of like that position and what it's done. We even saw it with Aiton, who's maybe the better version of Mitchell Robinson. Like, I don't know. I feel like those guys are a lot more common. So I might be willing Especially to... Especially now in this NBA where yeah. like if you cannot shoot the ball as a big... It's tough to commit big time money to that with the way the league is going. Yeah, it's really and Sims tough. showed a lot of potential as a rim runner and a shot blocker and a rebounder, and he kind of doesn't seem to get hurt as much. So, okay, okay, okay. Oh no, oh no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm putting you on the spot here because I'm kind of curious. Were you rooting like crazy against the Nets the way I was? Now, full disclosure, I kind of like Kevin Durant. Even though he didn't choose the Knicks, I love his game. I think he's a stud. He's one of the best players I think I've seen in my lifetime. But everything about the way that team was put together, the way they didn't take the regular season seriously, the fact that they basically said, yeah, we're going to roll out the basketball, show up in the playoffs, and we're going to be hot shit and go and win a title. I took great satisfaction in them getting their asses whooped and getting swept four straight games. Were you Because it's tough. I don't particularly like the Celtics either, but they're a team, Jerry. I can respect that. The Nets, it was like a different... I was rooting like crazy against them, dude. Yeah, I was too, of course, because I still think people get so caught up in, you know, who runs New York. And like, it's such a garbage topic. Like, it's not even close. The Nets are the better team, obviously, but there's no... They're giving away playoff tickets last year. Like, they literally were, like, begging people to come for the playoffs. So that's not even a, a competition. The one thing I did think was a little... Uh, like, I don't think Kyrie should have been, like, completely blamed for all the Nets problems. Durant had a massive injury. Harden, we know and we've seen now. Like, if Kyrie plays the whole year and was vaccinated, and they're what, not saying that saves Harden's career? They're not a seven know. seed. They're probably they're a, a four or five seed. Which means they might be running into Boston in round two. And I'm sorry, I think Boston matches up really well with them and is probably kicking their ass in round two. So, you know, I don't... I just, yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I, I loved every minute of it. I knew I was going to be able to get that out of you. Now, of course. I'm not the biggest hockey guy in the world, full disclosure. But playoff time rolls around. The Rangers are in it. 
it's very easy to get into it. So for you, do you do you get into the playoff hockey at all? You kind of pick your spots. Okay. So hockey, like beginning of the year, I'm really into it. I watch like the first 10, 12 games, super into it. Then I kind of fall into the basketball, football vortex, kind of go in hibernation for the winter. And I come back around last week. And then, I mean, that 3-1 comeback by the Rangers was awesome. I really think that that team, it's not, Madison, like, Madison Square Garden deserves the Rangers. That is a New York team. 3-1, never gave up. Like, I loved even how the announcers were called. They kind of, like, were predicting the goal with my man, Pan. You know, they are like, he needs to be more aggressive. He needs to shoot the putt. Like, it just, they're drawing up a play for him on the timeout. It just all worked for me. I loved every minute of it. And you think about it. Down two goals, game five, come back. Down two goals, game six, come back. Down a goal a couple of different times in game seven, and they come back, and their stars showed up. Now, Igor looks spooked in Pittsburgh, dude. He looks spooked. He looked like a guy who was completely cooked for the series. I thought they were completely cooked for the series. Him kind of showing a little chutzpah and saying, hey, guess what? I'm going to be fine. I'm going to straighten this out. That showed me something, too. Yeah, that no matter what happens with this Rangers team, like if Carolina kind of puts it on them in round two, that'll obviously be disappointed. But you know it's not going to be for like lack of effort or God. Like now I think they're locked in and, and you're going to have to kind of kill them to beat them at this well, point. And, and it can't happen because they get beat by a team that's better and a team right. that matches up well with them. Pittsburgh. Like I talked to a lot of guys who are like diehard Ranger fans and they're like, Jerry, if we don't win this first round series, it's going to take some of the bloom off the rose of a feel good regular season. Now I kind of feel like they're playing with house money with a young team the rest of the way. I really, absolutely. Don't. I completely agree. And, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I know it's a tough matchup, Caleb, but I kind of like this matchup for them. I think it's going to be, I do think it's going. So it's you're thinking about uh, throwing a couple down on the plus 170 is what oh, you're telling for me. Sure. Oh, I'm already in on that. Then I'm you get 14 to that. 1 to win the cup. You could get that too with FanDuel. I, I would put some units on 14 to 1 for the rest. Well, I mean, it'd be fun. Well, it gives you something else. to root for, you know, like it's Absolutely. your team, it's your city. It, Gives you that much more incentive to be like screaming your brains up and waking the kids up and driving your wife crazy. So there's a lot to like. I'm going to lock that in with all my uh, PGA bets coming up. Um, did you have Sheffield for the Masters? I did not. I know. I know. I did not. It was well, like the one guy I didn't have. I'm, here's who I'm in. I'm in on for the PGA. Speak. I am too. I like what I saw. I'm getting I'm my the, yes. I saw it like 19 to 20 to one. That's going to be my pick. Yes. And I like him. I like him for first round leader. Even if it's not the ultimate win, I think he comes out firing on Thursday. Ooh, okay. So we got first a round United leader front there on the PGA. I like that. How much do you wish, you're a smart guy, you're a businessman, would you be like salivating over the idea of being Aaron Judge's agent right about now? <laughs> I just love the guys who bet on themselves. I It's like the all-time move. And I think I... I I'm not saying I did it in the way Aaron Judge did, but I had a, a situation earlier in my career where I had the chance to either take something really safe or take something a little risky and bet on myself. And I bet on myself and it worked and it felt good. Not nearly the way athletes do it today. Yeah, I mean, God, man, you imagine if Ari Gold represented Aaron oh, Judge forget right it, now. Man. Forget it. He, uh, Hal Steinbrenner and Brian Cashew would like Ari Gold right about now. No, no, he'd be fighting for ownership of the team, which you he'd know that saying, never happened. Off. We're not negotiating now. We'll negotiate in the offseason. Yeah. He you're homered gonna again already, right? Yeah. yeah, I think he homered tonight already. Twice. Like, two homers twice. tonight. <laughs> two. Oh, two homers God. tonight. Love it. Okay. You play golf with Brady. Entourage episode. Yes. You told me. I remember this. First time we chatted, you were like, it, it bothered me, but I liked him. He was a good dude. He had a lot of personality. 
So I guess you are not particularly surprised that he's going to be doing the broadcasting gig. And it seems like, Jerry, he does, now that he's left the Patriots, kind of like come out of his shell a little bit, dude. He's got like a lot more personality and swag. He's building his social media. You could tell he has some people in his corner that are saying, all right, we're going to put some social stuff out. I, yeah, I, I don't think he's going to play it safe. I don't think he's going to be controversial in any way, but I don't think he's going to kind of, you know, just not throw people under the bus or talk his trash. He'll find his way to do it. I don't think he's going to play it fully safe whenever he gets behind the mic. I think he's going to let it fly. And I hope we get like, if he's not in the Super Bowl, I hope, because I know Fox has a Super Bowl, I hope we get a sneak preview of it maybe in like the Super Bowl or a playoff game or something. I mean, I wouldn't hate that. Like uh, they have the Manning cast. Maybe Fox right. can set up like a little Brady cast after Tampa Bay gets like eliminated from the postseason or whatever. And then you could kind of take it from there. But I, listen, $35 million a year doesn't hurt either. So I never no. thought he would do it because, you know, he's got like 10 zillion other interests. He's got his avocado oil that he's eating. He's got Giselle making a ton of money. But you offer him $35 million a year. It's very tough to say no. Yeah, for a guy who wanted to spend more time with his family, he arguably got five more jobs. Now. <laughs> so but ni- like- 19 Sundays a year, I-, I think he could find a way to get to some soccer games and to some recitals and still get that $35 million. Just I think he's going to be good, JJ. I do. I think he's going to be... I think I think he's surveyed the landscape of Romo and Breeze and now the Manning cast. And he's like even like the Greg Olsons of the world who are good. Like I think he knows what's going on and he's going to come out. And be, and be all right. So what's cooking with you these days? I mean, we haven't had you on the pod probably in about five or six months. Anything uh, exciting to report or is it kind of business as usual for you? Uh, I mean, I just shot something in L.A. It's where I haven't been in L.A. in three years. Wow. You know, did I, it feel, I was there in February for the Super Bowl. Was it weird being back or did it feel like normal L.A. business as usual? No, it was you? completely weird, dude, because, you know, I weird, moved back okay. to New York in 2017 and started having kids and stuff. So it was the sort of thing where I'm like, and it was such like that, such a different time for me. Obviously, like the entourage time and all that, single guy running around. It felt like, man, I had this dream. I lived out in LA and did all this cool shit. It really felt like a deja vu almost. It was a weird feeling. Still love LA. Got to play some golf when I was there, but uh, I don't know. New York has definitely got my heart. Well, you're back a New York guy. Listen, even though you did yeah. entourage, even though you filmed it out there, you're a New Yorker. You were. You were a Fugazi LA guy and a New Yorker <laughs> through and through. Like, I know you get the glitz and glamour of Hollywood, you know, the the parties, you're hanging out with the supermodels. I get it. Like, I would totally embrace that lifestyle that was presented to me. But like everybody walking around, it's like Jerry Farrar, he's New York, man. Come on. Of course. No, you know what I wish I did, honestly, Jay? Like, like I said, young, single guy in LA, working, entourage, all that it was great. I, I only really went back to New York on the holidays and stuff like that because A, I was busy, but B, I, I was loving LA and the weather and all that. I wish I would have took like a year or whatever the eight months off we would get from entourage and say, you know what? I'm going to New York for the entire time while I was on that run. Because I would go to New York and visit the family two weeks here, two weeks there. Like I'm but talking. But then you're not getting the experience straight. of the scene. You're basically telling me you wanted single Jerry Ferrara rocking in town, living in yeah. like the West Village, and then like yes. you know, basically having page six follow you around all the time. Well, I'd hopefully be good at ducking that. Not that they would really give a shit about me, but uh, yeah, I just, I just, I don't know, like to go to the Yankee games and the Nick games and then go out with my buddies and stuff like that. You know, I had versions of that in LA, but it's nothing like 
New York. It's just there's just nothing like it. Well, we know? need to get a Yankee game on on the agenda. Are you are you back at some point here? Spring, oh yeah, summer? yeah. No, Let's I'm back go. in like I'm back like three times between June and July. No, I'm back a lot this summer. And uh, you mentioned what I was. Yeah, I've, I've I've sold a couple of shows. I'm getting behind the camera a little bit more because this space ain't getting like, any do better. You like being, but no, you still look great. But do you like being behind the camera? Uh, I do. I mean, I look. I always will love acting. Acting is like the thing that opened up so many doors for me. But uh, there's something different about when you're behind the scenes. You get a little more creative kind of say. And then also now with the kids, it's not so much where you know phone rings tomorrow. They're like, "Hey, we got this cool part for you. Come do you know seven weeks in New Orleans." It's like, well, I can't uproot my family and all move to New Orleans. I don't really want to dip for seven, eight weeks at a clip, you know, I'm too attached to these kids, man. They, they got my heart. So, uh, something about being able to make your own kind of schedule and, and, and kind of dole it out that way is, is uh, I totally to get me. that. I, I totally get that. And for you as a guy who was a part of this, this booming phenomenon Sunday, once a week on HBO to see how HBO has transformed themselves from when you guys and Sopranos and, you know, the shows, The Wire and whatnot, were all coming out. Jerry, I can't even keep track and keep up with all the shit that's on these streaming services, dude. And there's a lot of good, like, TV and there's a lot of good productions. Dude, it's hard, man. <laughs> JJ, I, have, like, I don't know if this is because I'm old now or, or it's because of what you're saying. There's just, when, I, when something catches my eye, I have to, like, write it down. Like, like there's a show. Oh, yeah. You know what? I like. All right. Let me because I'll forget. And there'll be four other shows tomorrow. And I'll just be like, oh, I never I never watched that show. So, yeah, it's it's kind of a a, a blessing and a curse because it's such a good time for TV and streamers where there's so much good stuff. But in the same breath, is it sustainable? I don't know. Talk about like going over the luxury tax. All these places, it's just, you know, throwing around money like there's no tomorrow. Yeah, I don't know how sustainable it is, especially now in the world. So, yeah, man, HBO used to, and they still have, look, they still have succession. They still have their, their unbelievable Sunday. You got to watch in the moment shows, but it's definitely a different time. Great book, James Andrew Miller, the great, wrote the ESPN book and the Saturday Night Live, but he wrote the history of HBO, basically. And it goes through all that stuff. The Sopranos years, the Entourage years, all that. That so, might have to be on a summer reading list when it's I'm a out good in one. Hamptons or down Long Beach Island this summer. It's it's a good one. And he's obviously the GOAT at that kind of stuff. So it's a good one for you. Um, Did you watch Winning Time? I just finished it last night. I was a little behind. Uh, I just finished it last night as I watched and like Google, did this shit, did this really happen well, this Well, and way? this is what I found out because listen, I'm, uh, you know, I didn't grow up with Showtime. I was a little too young. I'm born in 1988. So like, you know, I, I grew up with the 90s Knicks and Jordan. I didn't grow up with Bird and Magic. I'm reading about like that Christmas Day game that they're like, you know, making this big deal of. Yeah. Never happened. Or I'm like, that's the shit that annoyed me because dude, the acting was great. The great. casting was great. Like, Dr. Boss, John C. Riley nailed that part. He's amazing. Sally Field was amazing. The The girl who played Jeannie Buss was really, really good. They didn't need to, like, you know, run over the facts with nonsense. They could have given it to us real, and I think it still would have been badass. Yeah, I remember when I read the, and I love Jeff Perlman who wrote the book. I, I've read all his books. Like, the 86 Mets book is another one that is going to get made at some point. Uh, I remember thinking, you know, it's going to be cool because they'll get all the historical facts right, but how on earth do you cast this show? Like, there's no way they're going to cast Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. That's going to be the part that's going to take me out of it. 
and I thought the facts would be great. And while they got all the details right, the jerseys and all that, the acting and the casting was fantastic. And it's like the kind of, yeah, the historical facts. Eh, well, we'll take some liberties there. But I thought like the dude who plays Magic Johnson is phenomenal. He was really good. Like, the Even only like one Adrian I had a problem with, they made, was, they made Bird out to be like this big hick. That was that was a little over the top, probably. You know, I mean, I mean, yeah, especially in the finale, like he's just sitting at home drinking a beer, drinking a beer, the, he's got the lip and tobacco in his mouth. I'm like, dude, they are really trying to make Bird look like shit. Yeah, and I was worried like Adrian Brody is Pat Riley. We love Pat Riley, you know, former coach of the Nick. Like Pat Riley's meant a lot to us in our childhoods, right? And he kind of crushed it. He did a good job with it. I bought it as Riley. I did too. Young and Riley. Westhead, Siegel as Westhead was good. <laughs> I watched that press conference of when they won the title and they showed it in the finale. And I went back because I wanted to see was Riley at that press conference. He was. And sure enough, back he was. with the glasses on, dude. And Siegel as well. Like, Wes, actually, I watched the real thing. I'm like, oh my God, Siegel was on fire this whole time too. Final one. If I tell you right now, as you're thinking about like, I give you unlimited budget. I say, Jerry Ferrara, you could go and put together a production. If there is one sports theme that you could go and make a movie or a TV show on, what would it be? You know, you, you, you're not going to like this answer. Okay. I, I still say, because I've always said how, how accurate the facts are, but it's Jeff Perlman. Again, I mentioned it before. The 86 Mets, the bad guys won. I don't yeah. hate that. I mean, after watching the Kimmel, Cousin Sal, Doc, they the did Doc, on 30 yeah. for 30. Doc, Daryl, Keith, Darling. Yeah, dude. I'm, Mitchell, uh, Magadan, Elster, all the Tim Tuffle. Like, it just was an unbelievable team. That book opens up with them like wrecking the plane, the Delta flight home from Houston after the NCS. They're like wrecking the plane on the way back to New York. Their wives are on and out. Again, I don't know how historically accurate it is. Perlman does a great job. I even did on my pod like seven years ago, like, let's cast that movie. I think I had like Scott Kahn as Gary Carter. Had Dave, young Dave Chappelle as Daryl Strong. Nice. Like, it's just fun to like cast that movie. I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. So if I, if I ever can get a hold of Bill Simmons, who is looking to finance a Hollywood production, maybe I could try to convince him, hey, 86 Mets, Jerry Ferrari's got you covered. I, I, think, it, I think it's a winner, man. I think I, I'm watching that, you know, for sure. I know I'm in. By the way, I got to commend the Queens Boulevard and Medellin work. So I'm right now looking at Jerry's Zoom background in his office. He's got the Queens Boulevard. He's got the Patrick Ewing. He's got, what is that, a 98 Yankee World Series pennant? That's a 90. Which one is that? Uh, the one above that's Ewing. That's 98. And you can't see over here. I got 96. Yeah, I can't see that one over Bro, there. Bro, by the way, I can't handle a Subway Series. It'd be great for the podcast. It'd be unbelievable for the city. My stress, I can't handle that, dude. That would break me. Because if the Yankees ever lost to the Mets, I'm doing the pod, I'm releasing it, and I'm taking a two-week trip to Tahiti, and I'm not talking to anybody. I was about to say, does that end the podcast? No, 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 Does no, no, that no, no, shut no, no, no. it down I was going to say, a Subway series is going to be tough to top, man. Especially like 20-plus years after the fact. But, man, oh, baby. So I'm going to be guest hosting for you for two weeks while you're in Tahiti. I was going to say, I'm going to tell Mets Simmons, team. hey, we need for Ferrara, if he's not doing anything right now, if we, we need a, we need, I need a week. I need a week. Yeah, I, yeah I'll, I'll leave you with this. You talk about the New York to LA thing. This is how life works. My whole life growing up, I always would, I, I wanted the Subway Series. I feel like you probably would have loved that oh, as no, a no, kid no, 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 I did. Like when I was a kid, I wanted kid. it because those teams too, 
I had the utmost confidence they were going to win. Like they yes. won every year. I was like, they're not going to lose. And it was like the ultimate, you know, this is before interleague play. That's how old I am. So you never saw the Yankees play the Mets. The only way to ever see it would have been the World Series, right? So all my arguments with my friends over who's better, like always ended off, there's ever a Subway Series. So I finally get the courage to move to L.A. What is the next World Series after Yankees I move to L.A.? Yeah. It's the Subway Series, right? It's the whole thing. Brutality. I was out of New York for it. I mean, the only thing that would have been worse is if the Mets were holding up the World Series trophy. That's the oh, only way that, it would have been worse. That would, I honestly would have just ignored that the whole entire Then I would year. have said, then you would have been better off being in LA. Yeah, I would have maybe became, I would have became like an Angels fan or something. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, listen, thanks so much for doing this. It's always good catching up. I better see you here in New York this summer. Yankee game on me. And I, I know these TikTok videos and these Instagram videos are helping you on the golf course. I watch them. They throw me for a loop. So for me, I got to keep it simple. I got to listen to my guy, Chris and Dave, and take it from there. But uh, I think Yankees and around the golf, Jerry Ferraro, let's make it happen, steak baby. Steak dinner bet. We'll do the classy steak dinner bet Oh, I'm on getting golf. strokes, dude. With the, with the way you're hitting the ball, I'm getting strokes, and then Lugers will be taken care of, all right? All right. That's good. Either way, we're eating steak, so we're winning. Amen to that. All right, Jerry. Thanks, baby. All right, JJ. Take care. That's a great Jerry Ferrara. All right, Spotify Live with Yanks, Mets, and look ahead to Rangers Game 1. That's coming up next. With Memorial Day savings at the Home Depot, you can upgrade your home with up to $2,400 off select kitchen packages from top brands like Maytag. Enhance your kitchen with the exclusive Maytag French door refrigerator and fingerprint-resistant stainless steel only at the Home Depot. And with dual power filtration on the Maytag Tall Tub Dishwasher, you can skip soaking and scrubbing. Right now, get Memorial Day savings up to $2,400 off select kitchen packages at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Pricing valid May 16th through June 5th, U.S. only. See store online for details. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in. It is our Tuesday evening Spotify Live ritual. Welcome all. JJ ready to rock. Um, Just watched a whole lot of baseball over the last, I don't know, six and a half, seven hours. The Yankees won a game that a thousand percent they lose a year ago. And the Mets just split the doubleheader against the St. Louis Cardinals. They got great work from Williams in game one. They got great work out of the bullpen in game one. McNeil, who has been, in many ways, their best, most complete hitter across the board, has a monster day. And the Mets had a very good game one, a lot to feel good about, a lot to like. They did not have a great game, too. Taiwan Walker was not great. McNeil gets the big hit to tie it. They stick with Rodriguez in the ninth inning against the righty bats. I think they left him in a little bit too long, if you ask me. Escobar bobbles the ball. But you had chances there in the ninth inning. You had two chances there in the ninth inning with Connor, and then you had a chance with Lindor. And let's be fair about Lindor. Lindor is making a shitload of money. Lindor is supposed to be the guy that you want up in that situation. Lindor has got to be better. Is that okay to say? Is that okay to admit that Francisco Lindor should be playing better for this Mets team? Look, the Mets are playing well. They're in first place. There's a whole lot to like. 
So I don't want to sound like I'm bellyaching and I'm bitching from a Mets perspective. Lindor has got to be better. Big spot, game on the line. Can you get a hit? For the amount of money that they are paying Francisco Lindor, that is where he needs to come through. No other way around it. No beating around the bush. That's where Lindor has got to earn his money. Lindor so far has not been good enough. He's not been good enough. I have no issue with the Mets splitting this doubleheader. That's not exactly going to keep me up at night. That Lindor at bat, though, is going to bother me. I want my stars showing up. I want my stars playing at a high level. Lindor has not done that this year. Speaking of a star that is playing at a high level, you guys remember Jerry Maguire, Rod Tidwell? Show me the money. Aaron Judge is going to be screaming, show me the money every which way to the New York Yankees. The guy has been nothing short of a monster. He hits another two home runs today. He's playing as well as anybody in Major League Baseball. And if he stays healthy, which, of course, is still a major if from a judge perspective, he's got to get through 162 games. But if indeed that ends up being the case, folks, judge is going to add anywhere from 70 to 80 to 90, whatever million dollars onto that deal. Guy's been absolutely off the charts playing unbelievable baseball for the Yankees. That is what you call betting on yourself and seeing vindication and seeing validation. We have seen exactly that from Judge. Uh, ninth inning, you get good work out of King, who continues to be a rock star. King, in many ways, has been this year's Luazaga. That's how good he's been in the bullpen. So-so star from Jamison Tyon. Chapman makes you sweat in the ninth inning. Now, before we start roasting Chapman, what is Joey Gallo doing on that play in left field? That is a ball that needs to be caught. You know, I'm listening in the car. I had the Mets on on my phone. I'm basically breaking every law in New York City known to man. Mets on a phone. Sterling in the car, who is giddy on the final out. Sterling made it seem like it should have been an out. Then I watched the play, and I'm like, what is he doing? I mean, Gallo, who's 0 for 5 and stinking up the joint on offense, striking out a ton. Now he can't even handle his position out in the outfield. Listen, the guy's a step. And remember I said this, the Yankees are going to have to get an outfielder. Between now and July 31st, the Yankees are going to have to get an outfielder. So Chapman makes you sweat. That is his M.O. That is not going to change. He's in one of those funks, but he made the big pitch when he needed to. And the Yankees keep rolling. Here's what I know about the New York Yankees, folks. They have won, I kid you not, about six to seven games this year that they absolutely, positively, would have lost last year. I don't need to rattle them off. You know what I'm talking about. Plenty of games last year they would have lost. They're winning. That's why they're 27-9 and nine on the year. So, yeah, Chapman might make you a little nervous. I'm down on Joey Gallo, but Donaldson's coming around. Gleyber Torres is most certainly coming around. Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton are absolute beasts. The Yankee pitching has been great, and they got the best record in all baseball, 27-9. and nine. Who's bellyaching about that? I know some Knicks fans might be bellyaching about picking 11th in the lottery, but let's be honest. Are you surprised? I mean, do you know the history? Do you know the M.O. of the New York Knicks? I mean, anybody surprised by this is a damn fool. It's an absolute damn fool if you're surprised that the Knicks are picking 11th in the draft. Go get a really good player. Go get somebody that can contribute and be a rotation guy. 
and start really working the phones and making some magic when it comes to Donovan Mitchell. All right, calls. I see him hot and heavy. I probably got about 30 minutes or so to big you who's going to lead us off. You, take it away. Hey, leading it off tonight, huh? Right. Yeah, you're in the leadoff spot, bro. Started with a bang. Soriano style. That's it, baby. Little Johnny Damon for you. That works for me, too. That works for me, too. No, I, I just said, like I said, I know there's, you know, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of, I mean, it's weird to, you can't even, it's hard to like nitpick on the team with the, the Yankees right now, but like, I don't know. I just feel like I agree that Gallo should have caught, the, caught that ball in the game. I mean, and definitely 100% that game we lose like 10 times out of 10 last year. Oh my goodness, you, they're losing every single one of those games last year. Every single one. And they were reinventing ways to lose last year. Reinventing. The, the one thing that I will still like continue to like, it's like, I know it's sounding like but the one thing with like Boone that I just cannot stand is like when he does like the squeezing out stuff still, like he still continues to like, it's like you can just read him. Like he put, he sent Ty out there for the sixth inning. He was tiring after the fifth. He gives up a double to Mancini and boop, there he goes right away. So why don't you just give King the clean inning to start the inning there? You know what I mean? I don't under, what's the, you know, what is the sense of having him go one extra batter? You know what I mean? I know batter to batter, but. At that point, King's been so dominant. Why don't you just give him the clean inning to start the inning? You know, I totally get that, you. You know what I think it boils down to more than anything? The opponent. And the amount of games that the Yankees are playing here in a row. And I think they're trying to not burn out a bullpen. They don't really have a lot of respect for the Orioles. And let's be honest with you, nor should they. They're a terrible baseball team. They're going to lose north of 100 games. I guarantee you, and I've been critical of Boone plenty of times. You know this. But... I think if they're playing Toronto or Tampa tonight, the way Booney is handling Jamison Tyon is going to be drastically different. That's my personal thing. Also, I don't know if you touched on it, but how about them Rangers, baby? Well, listen, what a game seven. Uh, we're going to get to their series coming up with Carolina in a little bit, you. Um, we had the big CLO open the other day. I hope you guys checked that out on New York, New York pod. Uh, and then we had our Spotify live. And I got a little programming reminder. We will not be doing a podcast on Thursday. However, we will be doing a Spotify Live right after Rangers game one, posting it as a pod. We will be ready to roll. So you want to be staying tuned for that little tweak in the schedule this week. The Rangers are hot right now. They're the biggest story in town. We act accordingly here on New York, New York. David is up next. He joins us. Hello, Dave. JJ, welcome on a Tuesday night. Good to hear. Yes, Tuesday Live. This is a weekly tradition now, David. Let's do it, baby. Let's do it. I'm not so concerned about Joey Gallo because at the end of the day in the playoffs, you know he's going to be coming off the bench. There's not room for him in the outfield. But I hope you're right about that, David. Listening to Brian Cashman the other day, I'm not so sure. You're, you're right in your premise. You're right in your assertive nature of the idea that you don't feel good about Gallo and his at-bats and now his defense, which has been problematic. But the general manager has the utmost confidence from what I heard the other day. Right. Uh, but talk me off a ledge with uh, with Chapman because we're not going anywhere if we don't have him uh, him figured out. And then he went through this last year and uh, it seems like it's happening again. I know uh, we can put someone else in there, but at the end of the day, he's the closer and they're going to give him every opportunity to uh, do it in the postseason. So talk me off the ledge with him, please. Um, He's going to do this. This is what he does. He has these stretches for three to four weeks where he's got to find himself. He is going to be a high-wire act. That's just the way it's going to be. Um, but I think from a Yankee perspective, what is important now is that they have insurance. When Chapman does not have it, Aaron Boone has got to be willing to go to somebody else, whether that's Michael King if you don't use him, whether that's Clay Holmes if you don't use him. 
There are going to be a couple of occasions this year where Chapman is going to need that piggyback. And I don't want to hear about her feelings. Tough luck. Tough shit. Get some outs. Get some outs. So, waiting on an update here with Brandon Nemo. Bruised right quad, day to day. Mets need Brandon Nemo in that lineup. He gets on base. He makes things happen. He's off to a very good start this year. The Mets need Nemo in that lineup. Let's head to Charlie in Elmhurst, who is up next. Hello, Charlie. Hey, JJ. So, yeah, nice night. I hope the uh, Celtics lose. And uh, I saw the Red Sox with the empty seats in Fenway. Oh, what a performance, by the way, from our old pal Nathan Avaldi. Um, I think three or four bombs still haven't landed uh, at Fenway. They might be on Lansdowne or on Yawkey Way. I don't know, Charlie. They might be. <laughs> I love those empty seats in, uh, in Boston. So, I hope the Celtics goes down. Nice second half by the Miami Heat. I'm not betting this game. Just want to wait and see. But... Well, listen, I like the Celtics today. I gave it out on the pod. Full disclosure, though, that went out the window the minute Al Horford and Marcus Smarter ruled out of the game. I mean, the line basically moved about three, three and a half points. Celtics got off to a good start, completely ran out of gas, and Butler has just been toasting them here in the second half. Right, right, right. On to the Yankees part. Uh, first, first on Judge, I wasn't worried about the Judge at all this season. And, yeah, I don't think the pressure – I don't. I think he's the type of guy – who can, like, you know, with his contract, he's turning it down. I don't think he's going to pressure to get pressure gets away. He's the type of guy who knows how to get it done. Like, I think this year he only had his, he only had one home run through like the first 15 games or something. Now he's getting hot. So, I, I mean, as long as, I mean, just that's a health is concerned. I mean, other than that, he's going to find a way to produce. So, I agree. Charlie, I'm not worried about him. And how can you be? Right now, he's the best player in all of baseball. That's how dominant he has been for the New York Yankees. Um, I'm going to go out and say it. This is the best I've ever seen Aaron Judge. And that includes the 2017 season when he kind of came on the scene, won Rookie of the Year, got screwed out of the MVP. This is the most complete version of Aaron Judge I think I've ever seen in my years of watching the Yankees. The guy, you can't pitch to him. He's not chasing. He, he's drawn his walks. He's a more complete player than he was a couple of years ago. Oh, I agree. I mean, I think he's probably better than 2017. And now, JJ, I know you were talking about this uh, garbage gallop. Uh, have you seen this article on NJ.com about, oh, uh, I wish I was DJ LeMayhew, but I'm playing hand. I was dealt. I mean, this dude doesn't make any, this clown doesn't make any adjustment. He left at 0 for 10, like, last two games. And, I mean, he, I, I, JJ, I don't know if you haven't seen this this season. Of course, every, everything. You've seen everything. His defense in left field is absolutely shaky. No, it's not been good. Charlie, it's not been good. And you know what that's a byproduct of? The pressure of being a New York Yankee. There's no doubt in my mind it has gotten to Joey Gallo. And that goes back to last year. Charlie, remember the game that Sunday night at Fenway Park? Joey Gallo is basically booting balls out in left field. I've seen him do that on quite a few occasions so far this year. It's not that he's a bad outfielder. It's that his struggles at the plate, and the dealing with the day-to-day nature of New York, it's getting to him. Certain guys are not cut out to be New York athletes. Joey Gallo is one of those guys. He's just not. Oh, I agree. And I think I, I heard a Joe, one of the show on radio, like Joe Sherman, saying he's like the Sonny Gray. Like, oh. Yeah, I don't hate that comparison. And he's a flawed player to begin with. That's the other thing, Charlie. He is a flawed player. He strikes out a ton. He does not hit for a high average. He's one-dimensional, but 
then you combine the element of being here in New York and the pressure that comes with being a New York Yankee, he's not a good fit for this team. And with Hicks not off to a good start and Gallo giving you nothing, the Yankees would be very wise to be exploring the outfield market once we start talking trade down. We're not there yet. And with 27 and 9, I don't want to hear, oh, well, you can't tweak the team. If there's a move that could be made in the middle of the year that's going to make this team better, you do it because you're trying to get to a World Series. Well, that's why I didn't like the trade last year. I would like, for me, I was like, I will give Florio the full rest of the year and let's, I mean, keep it hanging. I will take the like 160 with eight. See, I need a better, see, this is where I need a better player than that though, Charlie. Here's my issue with a guy like Florio. He's not going to hit enough. The Yankees can go and get themselves a professional outfit. And that's what I want. You can't have automatic outs in the lineup. Catcher outside of Trevino giving you the home run the other day, they've got nothing out of position. Fine, it's catcher. You live with it. Shortstop, they haven't got much. You got to be careful, though. You got to be careful. Morris is up next. He joins us. Hi, Morris. How we doing? Hey, JJ. What's going on? How's everything? Morris, all is well, bro. All is well. What's shaking, dude? And hold on. You mentioned, obviously, that the Yankees need to get somebody for the outfield. There's three names that come to mind for me, two on the cheaper side, and then obviously Andrew Benintendi. But Michael A. Taylor from Kansas City, I just wanted to hear your thoughts about this. Michael A. Taylor from Kansas City, I love Benintendi, and then potentially Ian Happ with Cubs potentially unloading. What's your thoughts on all three? And Out of all of those three, well, listen, I don't think you've given up much for any of those guys, if we're being perfectly honest. Taylor's a phenomenal outfielder. Uh, he's not a hitter, though. Uh, Andrew Benintendi has always intrigued me. Listen, he did not live up to the billing of being the guy he was with the Boston Red Sox when he started off his career, but he's hitting over 300 this year. He would provide the sort of dynamic within the lineup that I think would be perfect. Um, and I don't think you'd have to give up a ton to get him. I'd love Benintendi on this team. I said it last year. I'll say it again. I'd love him on this team. And I totally agree, especially with the left-handed bats that Benintendi can provide. And he's also a contact hitter, which would help the roster. And I don't know if you saw this or not, because Hope just tweeted it while you were on Spotify Live. But they gave, you know, they give they gave the belt to Chapman tonight for his performance tonight. I wanted to just hear your thoughts as I sign off. Um, I honestly don't have an issue with it. He got the out in the ninth inning to end the game, did he not? You know what I mean, Morris? If they would have blown the game and they end up winning extra innings then sure, you could give Chapman some shit for it. How many times are you going to give it a judge? Hey, Gallo misplays the ball on the outfield. He wasn't great, but he buckles down and makes the pitch when he needs to. Fine by me. The great Kenny in Staten Island is up next. Kenny, take it away. JJ, my man, what's going on? Kenny, all's good, baby. What's up? Bad, my Mets. You know what? This is going to be a repeat of last year. Good start, and then, you know, then they'll tank and, you know, finish 10 games on the... No, it's not happening with this. Kenny, I'm telling you right now, it's not happening with this team. They got too much pitching. They got too much good karma. They got too much fight. They will not fold up like a cheap suit the way they did last year, dude. No way. You know what? Lindor batted 230. Well, that's an issue. See, Kenny, I think those are two different conversations. Lindor right now is a problem for the Mets. Buck could try to downplay it. The Met fan could try to downplay it. He wasn't good last year. And now we're in the middle of May. He's hitting 230. And Kenny... Those are the spots where Francisco Lindor is supposed to come through for you. He's supposed to come through. You got to get a base hit there and at least tie the game. You just can't go down on pitches right down the right down the middle. It's all the time with this guy. He just doesn't come up big. It's it's brutal. It really is. And Kenny, when he's making what he's making, whether he likes it or not, 
he's going to be held to a different standard. That's just the bottom line. You're being held to that superstar standard. You got to start playing like one. This guy was brought here to knock in 110 runs, bat 290, and hit 30 home runs. And he is not no, not doing it. He's nowhere near it. You can't bat. You can't bat your weight. You can't. It's ridiculous what he's doing. You know, and, and the other guy, Escobar, I know he hit a home run, but come on. Can you get that ball out of your glove? Well, and his defense has been good this year. I haven't had an issue with Eduardo Escobar and his defense at all at third base, but that mishap and that misplay cost the New York Mets. There's no other way around it. Um, why Joe, Jolie Rodriguez is getting all those right-handed bats, I don't know. I mean, I don't like Adovino, but isn't that Adovino's job to go and get right-handed batters out? He should have been He should have been brought in. And, and Rodriguez was there to, to face the lefty, to lead off the inning, and he walks him. And he walks him. And right there, I said to myself, game over. Well, you were right. And listen, not the end of the world, Kenny, splitting a doubleheader against a good Cardinal team. Cardinal's going to be heard from. I think they're going to be a playoff team when it's all said and done. But Lindor, I mean, it's time to wake up. Don't tell me as a Met fan you're satisfied with Lindor's performance. He has not been up to par. He has not been. To our buddy Bradley, who joins us. Bradley, what's up? JJ, good to talk to you again. JJ, you you made the good point before. That is a game uh, that the Yankees would have lost uh, like 20 times last year. Um, Let me tell you, I can't say enough about Judge. Every time I see Chapman come out, though, my blood boils and I just get I become a nervous wreck. I, I'm not losing hope on him, but I know he has enough time to clean up, clean up his act a little bit. Do you agree? Well, listen, he's going to be the closer of this team. That's what I want to make crystal clear to any Yankee fan out there. The Yankees do not have a closer controversy. For the 2022 season, Aroldis Chapman will be closing games for this team. It doesn't mean, though, that Aroldis Chapman gets carte blanche to go and throw 30 or 35 pitches and gets every opportunity to work himself out of a jam or out of an inning. Doesn't work that way for Chapman. We've seen that with Boone this year. He's yanked him a couple of times, and that will continue to be the case. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's definitely made me nervous. I'm sure he's made a lot of Yankee fans nervous, but I'm definitely not going to lose faith just yet. It's still early in the season, but I'll tell you what, it's just it's a good ride to, to enjoy right now. I'm on cloud nine. This, if you were to tell me, with the moves that Cashman made, like you know, two months ago with the uh, Sanchez trade, that this team was going to be in first place, like in mid-May, I would have laughed. Oh, Bradley, Bradley, first place at twenty-seven and nine, bro. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. And listen, they got a long way to go. I don't want to throw a parade in the middle of May, but for teams in the wild card era that have gotten off to this kind of start, the Red Sox in twenty eighteen. The Cubs in 2016. The Chicago White Sox in 2005. You know what the common denominator is? All of them won the World Series. Exactly. Absolutely. And you know, JJ, the one team I'm looking forward to the Yankees facing in the next, I think it's the next next week I have to uh, facing them, the Tampa Bay Rays. Because you know what? I cannot wait for that series. I hope the Yankees stomp on their throats for all the pain that they caused them with the division the last two years. So that's, I'll leave it on that note. Have a good night. I can't wait to talk to you again. Bradley, I'm glad that you mentioned Tampa because as of right now, the Yankees have passed every test imaginable a month and a half into the year. They've had great wins. They played well against the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, they're 27-9. and nine. They took three out of four from the Chicago White Sox. Whole lot to like. Tampa is eating their lunch. Yankees got to make a statement against the Rays. I'm not saying they have to go down to the trap and win three out of four or sweep the series. They can't get punked because that will throw in a shadow of doubt. Even with 
this great start to the year will be like, oh, but, oh, but, oh, but. Got to show me you can slay the beast. That's Tampa and that's Houston. Those are two teams that have had the Yankees number. The Yankees, got to show me they could beat those teams. Let's head to Scotty, who is up next. Scotty, take it away. Yeah, JJ, I agree. Listen, they got to beat Tampa. That's the measuring stick. They got to go down uh, and lay the wood on Tampa Bay and the Astros, too. I'm sick of those teams. Those are the two teams that they got to beat. I mean, they're playing great so far. But if they go down and beat Tampa and the Astros, then I'll start believing. Well, listen, I'm believing now. Scotty, see, I'm believing now. They're 27 and 9 this year. So, like, I'm going to be excited about that. I'm going to be fired up about that. They're winning games they weren't winning last year. Like, from that perspective, you have every reason as a Yankee fan to feel giddy about the start of the year. It doesn't mean you're winning the championship. There's clearly a lot of baseball left, but you could not have drawn up a better start to this year, period. And I listen, I agree with you. Listen, Gallo, I mean, I know the 15-year-old nerds, virgins, they love him. They look at his baseball savant page and they mess their pants. This guy sucks. I mean, I'll take Van Attendee. I mean, Hicks, who knows? Hicks, he's probably getting, he's probably hurt knowing Hicks. I mean, I, I don't know about the outfield. And they got to get catchers too, man. These two catchers, I mean, Trevino, I'd rather have him than Higashioka. Well, here's the problem though, Scott. Where are you getting a catcher from? That's the issue. All right, you want to tell me the Cubs trade Wilson Contreras? That's a guy who's got some offensive punch. Sure. Glorified Gary Sanchez. Yeah, he is. He's not a great defender. He's a little bit better than Sanchez, but he is not a great defender. So I think the Yankees are really going to put a premium and they're really going to prioritize defense and handling the pitching staff when it comes to that position. But that's why the outfield, you can't have automatic outs with Hicks and with Dow on the outfield. You can't have it if that's what you're going to be dealing with at the catcher's position. Yeah, and the bottom of the order is just auto, seven, eight, nine. They're all automatic outs. They, they got to get another outfielder. I mean, a fan attendee, I'll take him. You know, uh, I mean, he was great with Boston, but you know that means to be great with the Yankees. But I mean, I, they got to do something in the outfield. It was Gallo. I mean, I just can't with this guy anymore. Well, I can already envision Scotty watching Yankee October games and cursing out Joey Gallo like there's no tomorrow. So I, I hope that's not the case. I hope he's gone. I hope he's, you know, dumped somewhere. I, I think Cashman's going to be stubborn. But if we get to July and he's hitting 160 with like 11 home runs, it's time. Go get another outfielder. Let's head to the great Jeff Money in Queens. Jeff Money, we're getting screwed on this Celtic game because of the COVID stuff, but it happens. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? We're down by 10. Good thing I took a couple of baseball. I had a nice dog. I took the worst team in baseball, and it was a horrible game to watch with the Reds, plus 150. Just goes to show you, Jeff Money, you got to be willing to take bad teams over the course of 162 games. Absolutely. I didn't even realize it. Uh, Edwin Diaz has a brother that plays for the uh, Reds. He was pitching like uh, the old Diaz there, sweating out, trying to give the game away. But they held on. They blew the ninth inning, giving up two runs, and they won an extra innings. I also took the Angels. Angels are hanging on right now. As far as our Celtics, we cut it to 10, so they're trying to tease us. I'm watching it right now. I'm watching it right now. And look, this is a must for Miami. Let's be honest. If Miami is going to win this series, they need to defend their home court, number one. And when you have a gift, no Marcus Smart, no Al Horford, you have to take advantage of that. Like, there are certain games that I look at in series and I say, this screams of a must win. Money, this screams of a must win. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if we knew about Smart, you know. this No chance I'm giving it out. No chance. When I did the gambling pot earlier today, 
there is no chance in hell I'm giving out the Celtics, period. They needed their full team, their full cast in order to win this game. I agree. Because I always give out my plays in the morning, so it is what it is. But, you know, tomorrow I'm going to, I'm going to roll probably, I'm going to roll with the Mavericks. I think we're late. All right. Me too, Jeff Money. Let's go, baby. I got him at five and a half. I already locked it in. Um, Dallas did not play a whole lot of close games in their last series against Phoenix. However, I do get the sense that the Warriors, they go through walls at times. Dallas is playing with a lot of intensity. Luka is playing out of his freaking mind. I'll take five and a half with a guy who's red hot um, against the team that can go through the motions and thinks they can turn it on and turn it off whenever the hell they want. I'm with you there, money. I don't think Dallas is winning the series, but I like Dallas to cover tomorrow night. Oh, definitely. I think if you look at the head-to-head with the covering, I thought I think they covered against them uh, when they matched up against them uh, this year. They might have, but don't. But but be careful with that, Jeff. Money. Don't put a lot of stock in those regular season games, for sure. And uh, oh, definitely, absolutely. But yeah, you got to run with the door. You got to run with them. They had a terrific game their last game, so we got to roll with them in game one. Definitely with the five or five and a half. That's that's a definite. Thing. Have you locked in anything on hockey yet? No, I haven't. The lines were high. I mean, I'm looking a little bit towards the rain. I'm going to check it again in the morning. I'm thinking about the Rangers as well. I am thinking about it. If you're going to give me plus 145 or plus 150 with the Rangers tomorrow night, Jeff Money, and the public is all over the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, that might have to be a play. Oh, yeah. I, I think if you're going to take one, I think if they're going to steal one, they can definitely steal that game number one out of the two. You know, out of one. I can see them winning one, losing two. Then going back home and seeing what the situation is going to happen. Definitely going to be a tough series. We know that. Yes, and Carolina has had their way with the Rangers throughout the regular season. They beat them in the 2020 bubble a few years ago. Manhandled the Rangers. So they've given the team a ton of fits. But the Rangers, I think it's a house money series for them. We'll get to that when we sign off here. It's a house money series across the board. They've had a feel-good regular season. They overcome a 3-1 deficit. They take down the Pittsburgh Penguins and do so in an overtime in a game seven. It's a lot to like. Let's try Eric one more time. Eric, you got to unmute and you're ready to go. What's happening, bud? JJ, what's up, brother? Eric, you follow directions. I'm proud of you, sir. How are you? The other Eric's are giving us a bad name. but No, you're giving Eric a good name. What's happening, brother? Appreciate that. Uh, so quick observation on the Yankees, obviously, with how great they've uh, started they've gotten off to. I think one of the keys this year has been just that they're getting much better depth from the starters. Like, they're not getting knocked out of the games earlier. Obviously, with what Nestor's doing is uh, nothing shy of unbelievable. Just wanted to get your thoughts on that and then uh, see what you think about the Rangers coming up against Carolina. Look, Nestor Cortez has been the feel-good story of New York baseball in the first two months of this year. He's been off the charts. He is pitching like a guy who's destined to be in the All-Star game. And the way he's gone about his business, the funky leg kick, uh, it's all hard. It's all emotion. You can tell his teammates love him. It's such a fun dynamic to root for. And it's legitimate as far as I'm concerned. Like, I don't know if you feel his way, Eric. This isn't a small sample size anymore. We have a couple of season. We're going back to last year. And I think what's so impressive is just with the way pitching has gone with these guys all throwing 98-99, he's doing it throwing low 90s and just mixing his stuff and hitting different parts of the zone. It reminds me a little bit of 
uh, like a faster pace Andy Pettit, where it's just it's he's much more of a control uh, pitcher as opposed to these guys who are all throwing 100 miles an hour and blowing their arms out. No doubt about it. There's a funk. There is this element of being able to change speeds. I think he's got a lot more El Duque to his game than Andy Pettit because of the leg kick and because of the funk. Like, I I see a lot of El Duque, Eric, in Nestor Cortez. But, yeah, last year pitched great for the Yankees. They don't make the playoffs without him. Aaron Boone said at the start of the year, give him credit for this, Nestor was going to be in my rotation no matter what. Now he's pitching like a guy who's going to be an all-star. I think I'm not saying he's going to be a legit top three, top five pitcher in the American League this year, but I think counting on Nestor Cortez is now to the point where it's a thing for the Yankees. You can count on him. You nailed it on your pod the other day when you talked about the 05 sort of magic and or lighting in a bottle you got from Aaron Small and Sean Chacon. I remember those guys, and they the next year they were gone. Nestor seems like he's really here to stay. I would agree with that. And it's because of the way he is ascending, Eric. Excellent call. Appreciate it. Aaron Small and Sean Chacon saved the Yankees' bacon in that 2005 season. Remember it like it was yesterday. Aaron Small didn't lose a regular season start. Sean Chacon in an elimination game against the Angels. Pitched brilliantly. I think pitched into the seventh inning. Yankees came back. I remember Sierra and Sheffield had some big hits. Posada had an awkward slide late in the game. They ended up winning and then lost in horrific fashion in game five. But then the next year, everybody's like, all right, you can count on Small, you can count on Chacon. They both suck. They were both DFA'd or, or traded by the time you hit the middle of the year. So that was in play with Nesta Cortez going into opening day. Not anymore. Not anymore. So we're going to wrap this baby up with a prediction on this Rangers series. The Rangers right now are playing with house money. They're a sizable underdog in this series. Carolina is basically minus 210. Carolina has thoroughly outplayed them throughout the regular season. Carolina is not going to have their number one goalie. That's helpful from a Rangers perspective. The fact that Ronta, the former Ranger, is going to be in that is kind of crazy. But Carolina is a really good home team. But from a Rangers perspective, look, try to get one of these first two. If you can find a way to steal one of these first two, get some momentum going to Madison Square Garden. They've played exceptionally well at Madison Square Garden all year. That, to me, can give you an opportunity to go and win this series. Now, Carolina had success against Igor Shosturkin. Shosturkin did not play well in the games in Pittsburgh. It's going to have to be better in this building. I may be on the Rangers tomorrow. There's too much value. Seeing minus 170 for Carolina and everybody and their mother on Carolina makes me think, hey, guess what? The move is to take the Rangers. So we'll see how this series marinates. We will be live on Spotify right here, right after Rangers game one. You don't want to miss it. And this little conversation will be up as a podcast. The work by Stefan. JJ is out. I got to go do television now. The grind never stops. Be good, everybody.